Hello and welcome to the Wingnet Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people in my travels that I want to bring them on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. Hello and welcome to episode 63. Travelling with Angela Santos in India, Iceland, Portugal and Lebanon. This week Angela describes her experiences of travelling solo in India. Also travelling in the winter in Iceland. Some crazy stories there. She also gives some great tips for her home country, Portugal, as well as some great insight into traveling in Lebanon, which I was really excited to hear about. And that's one country that has kind of been elevated because of this chat. So if you're thinking about going there, this would be a good episode for you. Update this week is I've got a lot of interviews to do before, basically before May in two weeks when my sister arrives from the UK. So I'm cracking on with the interviews this week. And I've got Johnny Bilby on Wednesday, who is the owner of Wild Frontiers. He's been to like 90 countries and he's done like a documentary, written three books and he's in a band, released a single back in the 80s and he just went on a trip to Sri Lanka and India. Anyway, if you head to my Instagram story, you can ask a question for Johnny. I'll collate those questions on Instagram and I'll post them to him on Wednesday when I do a recording. Keep an eye out for that on Instagram. And I'm currently planning my bumper podcast series for my Camino Trail in June. So keep an eye out for Instagram and social media for that. going to think of an idea of how to do it It'd be like a diary shorter version like you know day one day two etc and where we went how far we walked where we stayed all the above maybe some funny stories we'll see and as you can probably hear my voice is not the best uh, i've been struggling this week with a bit of illness and i'm still continuing to recover so i'm going to stop talking there let it get on with the episode and i hope you enjoy this week and be safe and get traveling cheers let's get into the episode Hello and welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast and this week I'm joined by travel blogger, blonde around the world, Angela Santos. Angela is an urban planner as well as a keen photographer and has travelled the world extensively. Angela has a love for travel and we're going to talk about some of her experiences today and also some stories. Angela, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well, thank you. And thank you so much for the invitation, first of all. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely no worries. So tell the listeners where you're from and where are you now? I'm from Portugal and I do live in Portugal. Uh, I was born and raised here and I consider myself a citizen of the world. But anyways, I I don't leave my nest. It's uh, I leave my nest to travel, but I like to stay based in my nest. Can you work remotely is that is that possible for you to do like can you work anywhere or do you have to be in Portugal uh, well not not in the um, in the kind of thing that I'm doing now I can I can work remotely but uh, as a urban planner I do work for the government mm-hmm. and I always have to be here uh, for meetings and to to discuss the, the the plans that we are doing so I can we during COVID time we were at home of course and working uh, from home but I can't 
just leave for six months, for example. Well, I can, but I have to do a sabbatic or something. Okay. I can't just leave everything behind uh, and and go work <laughs> and just do my master plans yeah. uh, from somewhere in the world. But I would like to, <laughs> but maybe in some years. First, we have to change the mindset. Yes. You know, and then we can do, we can work like this. For your job, do you plan, I really don't know much about your, your job, so do you just plan or renovate cities or do you plan to build new ones? Like, is that what your job is um, well, in Portugal, we don't have much space because we are we have a small country, mm. and I think uh, it would be amazing to to think a city from the scratch, you know, from like a, a, a draw drawing the city from a blank page. Yeah. You know, it would be amazing. Well, it's not doable <laughs> because we have what we have, and the the thing. Here now, it's to try um, to do things more sustainable, cities more livable, and uh, trying to change the paradigm of urban planning, which in the last 20, 30 years was just building and building. And now we are more like, let's um, adapt the cities, the existing cities, to new forms of life like the, the cycling roads and uh, trying to turn uh, to the green energy, the cities to the green en energy. So I think this is the, the next step, not building houses and building roads. Uh, we, I think we have already did that enough. We, we have massificated the territory, basically. Yeah, it's an interesting point, actually, because I always thought yeah you're right that we just build up like small space build up as you can see in a lot of European countries we've got so many tall buildings right in a small space but I think you're right I think the mentality has changed especially after COVID where people want to actually live in a nicer place and it's a more convenient uh, place to live in yeah and it's strange in yeah, Canada because we're so big like they can yeah. just start they can start from scratch tomorrow <laughs> you can There's do so everything space. you have you have space enough to build cities and yeah and yeah but you also have a lot of nature you need to preserve mm. the nature too True. so to keep the balance between nature and the, the human existence or the human presence you need to keep uh the balance and we we ruined already too much the nature so yeah. i think it's the time, well, we should have done it before, but uh, the previous generations didn't do it. So now it's the time to start thinking, well, what can we do to change? Mm. What, can, what can we do so the next generations have um, a better place to live? Actually, it's just like searching for a better place to live. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think even back home, because I'm from England, UK, I think there's there's talk of all these old cities that have been there for hundreds of years and they're, try, they're trying to renovate them to make sure yeah. that people actually like living them and not, don't just live there just because they're from there, you know, they want to live there. We are also investing a lot on renovation because we have a lot of old buildings yeah. and they are totally abandoned and it's useless to, to build another one when there's old buildings that can be renovated and people appreciate very much that kind of 
of building. So it's uh, we we have to start. Uh, it's like recycling the buildings. Mm. Yeah, downtown and CBD areas of cities now where they got huge buildings for offices. Well, now because of COVID, people can work remote. They're going to be like loads of loads of empty space. Not everyone's going to go to work anymore. They're, they're going to be like doing two days a week or maybe in three, like yeah. it's going to be a hybrid, right? Or even just fully remote. So it's going to be like swathes of buildings in the center of cities that are just not even full anymore or not even needed. Yeah, that's why we need to think, rethink mm. about our cities and uh, to try to low um our use of transportation individual transportation like everybody has a car everybody goes to work especially i i'm talking uh, about uh, my reality in portugal everybody uh, is going like even if you are just going like 50 meters people take the car to go to take a coffee you know and it's ridiculous you can walk why don't you walk yeah yeah so yeah. The mindset has to change. Yeah, I think the the mindset it's the the focus now. Yeah, we went to LA a few weeks ago, and you can really see that that everyone drives, no one walks, yeah. unless you're and in downtown. It increases maybe. the pollution. It's it's yeah, really it's crazy. It's awful. Yeah, I know that now since COVID, I think people are starting to think, oh, do I want to live in a city? Do I want to move out towards the countryside a bit more? So I think there's a great shift in mentality now after COVID. Yeah, I think too. I think too. Well, this pandemic had to to be good for something. Yeah. <laughs> it was it has been so bad, so bad for all of us in so many ways that at least it brought something good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Let's hope. Okay, so let's talk about your travel in terms yeah. of history. So what made you love travel at the beginning? What was the first maybe things you remember or was it Maybe early holidays or vacations? Uh, it's my parents' fault, actually. Okay. <laughs> because, <laughs> well, I, I do love road tripping. And because when when I was a kid, we didn't have much money to, to travel the world and to do big trips. So we picked the car and we travel in Portugal and we went to Spain and all is road tripping. So I, I started to travel like road tripping really young. I remember the first time I I went somewhere by plane was to Madeira Island. I was nine years old. So it was like, wow, <laughs> I can go. Madeira Island, it's a part of Portugal. We have two archipelagos, Madeira and Açores. Mm. And I went to Madeira Island. It was my first big trip. <laughs> it was still <laughs> Portugal, but it's the island stays near the coast of Africa. So to me, it was huge, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it is, uh, although we are the same country and um, we speak the same language, but it's pretty different. If you search for images from Madeira, it's quite like the North Coast. It looks like Hawaii, you know? Oh, okay. It looks like Hawaii. I went there two years ago uh, to remember <laughs> the yeah. first trip. And uh, now it's really developed and it wasn't at the time. So it was like a small culture shock inside my own country, you know. So from there, I just 
went <laughs> went around the world to the world <laughs> yeah i used to work with someone from madeira when i was really young so my first job was in retail it's like a just a clothes store this lady called marilla i think she does listen occasionally she's from madeira and she's, she'd show me pictures of home i'd be like wow look at the beaches look at the sun it's amazing yeah it looks incredible it's, it's known for the island of the eternal spring Okay. Because it's always good weather, always. You mm. can find good weather in Madeira, well, except maybe from middle December to middle February. You know, you have lower temperatures, but lower like 18 degrees, you know. It's not freezing any time of the year. Oh, yeah, of course. It's near, it's near the coast of Africa, so it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty good. Um, but... It's it's amazing. Everything there, it's beautiful. I think everything in Madeira Island, it's beautiful. The food is yeah, amazing. Yeah, I've got a question about yeah. food. In the UK, we have the Madeira cake. Is that Portuguese? Yeah, it is. It yeah. Is. I, I wasn't sure if yeah. we just like named it Madeira because we just thought of a name. But Yeah, I think... it's like made of figs and honey. Yeah. Uh, it's really, really good. Yeah, it's yeah. Madeira. It's a cake uh, from Madeira, yeah. That's mm -hmm. awesome. That's awesome. And the Azores, uh, the other islands. I'm in the middle of the Atlantic, yeah. Yeah, I had a guest on called Sophia. She's from Germany, and she was in Azores for two weeks. Just had a car, island hopped around Azores. And again, the, the photos look incredible there. Um, yeah, I, I only, I've only been in... Uh, São Miguel, the island, the main island of the archipelago, and I loved it too. It's pretty difficult to drive in Açores um, mm. because it's always to all the way up, all the way down, and uh, zigzagging, and you have cows everywhere. Imagine <laughs> Scotland, but yeah. smaller. It's more or less like that, and they don't have castles. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's more or less, and it's beautiful. It's really raw. It's very beautiful. I, I love Açores. Okay. And what is some of maybe your other favorite places in Portugal, like, you know, recently or the last few years that you've been to? Because obviously in UK, we know about the Algarve in the yeah. south. Um, it's quite a popular destination. It's hot. It's got golf courses. It's got like villas. So that's kind of what we know. And obviously Lisbon is obviously a great city that we talked about before recording that that's a popular city to go to. But is there anywhere else that you... Yeah, I do, I do like very much the the countryside, well, near the border with Spain. There are a lot of villages there. We mm. have a lot of historical places to visit. Yeah. And um, near the border, you have Mervão and uh, Castel de Vides. These are, these are my two favorites because okay. it's, um, it's such picturesque places you know it's really like going back in time and people are so very friendly uh, the landscapes are absolutely stunning because Portugal is a very small country but really diverse mm. you have everything you have like uh, plains with more desertic uh, areas like Alentejo north uh, on the north of Algarve and then you have really lush it's not like forest like you have in canada for example but we call it a forest mini forest because we are a mini country so yeah, <laughs> yeah. in the north area of minho you yeah. can find jerez it's a natural park um it's uh, 
it's classified, I think, by UNESCO. I'm not pretty sure, but I think we, we have it classified. And it's very, very diverse. Near where I live, you can also find a small um, island called Berlinga, which okay. is a biosphere reserve uh, classified by UNESCO too. And it has uh, a lot of things. Well, it's not an island, a big island. It's really small. You can see it. You can go there just to spend the day. Mm-hmm. And it's um, a good place for scuba divers. It's amazing uh-huh. for scuba divers because it has lots of uh, sink ships. Yeah. The wrecks of the ships are there still. So divers love it. And it's, um, I think Berlinga, it's more beautiful uh, underwater do than uh, on the land, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's still beautiful on the land, but it's uh, it's pretty amazing the, the underwater world. It's really, really beautiful. And one more place I want to ask about in Portugal is it Nazare? Nazare. Yeah, where the Nazare. big waves are. The big waves. Yeah, it's uh, like fifty kilometers north from where I live. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really close because I live uh, near the the famous beach of Super Tubus where the, the world championship of surf mm. uh, has here um, a time. It was just like two weeks ago, I think. Oh, okay. And we have some of the best waves in the world in here. And Nazare has the biggest waves in the world. Yeah. yeah. At least where people can surf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They look incredible, the pictures. Again, they, they can surf without dying. I think they, they are going there just like it's a challenge to uh, will I die? Will I not? Well, it's just it's scary. It's scary, watch. though, isn't it? It's scary to yeah. watch. Yeah, I've already seen it live. Yeah. And it's really I get very anxious, you know, to to watch them see. Well, it's too much for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't know how they have the mentality to like, yep, I'm going to go and do that wave. And it's like. 30 feet high 30 meters 30 yeah, meters yeah I'm like how do you just have no fear it's crazy well they train a lot all year True. they train a yeah. lot and they trust very much in the guys that are on the jet skis to rescue them so i think um it's a teamwork it's not an individual work okay uh, they work in teams of course that the guy that surfs the wave has another level of craziness i think <laughs> because he can't run very fast from the wave yeah you know, exactly he, can't yeah. Escape. <laughs> he has to rely on, on the the guy from the jet skis but you know <laughs> they are happy doing it so <laughs> good for them yeah fair play fair play okay one more question about portugal very important question is food what is your favorite dish from portugal oh gosh that's so difficult maybe the one i'm going to have dinner tonight the rice, because we do a very special duck rice Uh, i'm sorry for the vegetarians i'm not vegetarian so um my favorite foods are mainly with uh, with fish and with meats. <laughs> That's and fine. We have a we have a very rich cuisine in Portugal. Well, maybe the new generations do it uh, more, but we don't have many junk food, so we try to eat uh, very healthy uh, with olive oil and vegetables. We always have soup and vegetables in our meals or salads. You know, it's not. Mm only the the meat and the potatoes are the rice no uh it's very diverse uh but yeah i love also 
cozido à portuguesa, which is a dish made with cabbage and with a, a little, a little, um, some pork meat and um, cow meat and sausages, very uh, many kinds of sausages mm -hmm. and everything goes boiling, you know, for oh. hours. Yeah. And it yeah. is slow cooked. It's cooked very slow. It is just awesome. It's really, really tasty because all the flavors go from the meat to the cabbage to the sausages and everything mixed together. It's really, really awesome. And of course, the fish, the grilled fish. We have amazing yeah. fish. Yeah. I think we have you, a lot of sea. So Yeah, exactly. When you have a coastline that big, you're going to have fish. Yeah, right? we Same have, as UK, uh, like. Surrounded by yeah, sea. Yeah, right? it's the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and our seafood, the seafood is amazing too here. Yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of plays into the, that part of the world, like Portugal and southern Spain and all around the Mediterranean. Very fresh food, very good food, good for you, right? It's very healthy. Unlike yeah. maybe some other places that, I don't know, Canada's okay, but like UK is not great with food. It's yeah, just a yeah, bit I different. don't know much of UK. I just been, mm. uh, I've been to London. So I can't speak <laughs> about the UK cuisine or I will be uh, very, I, I won't be fair, you know, so, yeah. but I, I didn't find the, the, the cuisine in London very spectacular. And I, I do love London. I do. It's one of my favorite cities, mm. but um, the food was not very appealing, actually. That's fair enough. I totally get it. <laughs> we accept it. We are diverse in our food with like different cultures, but deep down the general person it's not great food like we all know that like i don't know what i don't know what happens really but it's just a very starchy very well you have fried. you have one really really good thing that you it's a portuguese heritage the tea yes so, absolutely key <laughs> everybody Me speaks tea. about oh the english tea it was yes. our queen that took there the tea <laughs> so this is really unfair <laughs> We should do a partnership. Yeah, we should. From, from UK and Portugal. <laughs> Talking of partnerships, yeah, the, the UK and Portugal have a unique partnership, right? I don't know if people know this, but we have for hundreds of years, I think it is, agreement that if you were ever attacked or in trouble, we would come and help you out, right? So we've always been friends, like quite old friends, like never, never had any problems in the past. We've always had that agreement, like treaty where... Yeah, we would support each other. I think it was it was since the 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 Napoleon invasions. Mm. Uh, I think it started there. Uh, it started there strongly, you know. Yeah, because um, we were all against Napoleon, <laughs> so history repeats from time to time, <laughs> and we live these things from time to time. And yeah, until the moment. You had a guy named Sir Francis Drake. Indeed. That, yeah, he came to help Portugal yeah. with the, the French uh, invasions and actually didn't help us. <laughs> he just, uh, yeah, he, he docked his, his ships in where I live. Yeah. And yeah. he started to rob all the country. Oh, God. From the center to the south, you know, he cleaned it all. So uh, I, I didn't uh, know that. I, I knew that he defeated time, the um, Spanish Armada. I knew that. Yeah, and so it was funny because the the ship, the replica of the ship, is in London. Oh, okay. And when I saw the the replica of the ship, I was like, 
ha, this was the guy. <laughs> so this is how you got there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we have uh, strong connections. Yeah. Yeah. Old strong connections. Old strong connections. England. Yeah. Let's go to travel. And um, just quickly okay. before, I'm going to ask about your blog later, like more questions, but just very quickly, because you obviously travel a lot now, you, you start to write a blog. Why did you start to write a blog? What, what was the thinking there? Well, actually, I started my YouTube channel before. Ah, okay. Everybody was always asking me, uh, what do I need to travel there? Or what do, what should I wear when I travel to some place? Mm. Uh, people were always asking, and they were really insisting in, in having questions. So I thought, okay, I'm going to invest in a YouTube channel. But um, to have a YouTube channel and to post um, good content, it's not easy mm. because it's not just like shooting a video because I don't want the content to be focused on me uh, as a person, you know. Yeah. And vlogging, for example, it's more focused on the person than on the content for itself or on the destination for itself. So I started uh, my my YouTube channel and um, but I, what I do like it's to storytell. You know, mm -hmm. I do like to to enlighten people about what do they need when they travel to places. It's really cool to be able to share my experiences, but I do like to storytell. Then I thought, well, I should complement the, the content of the YouTube channel with a blog because when I'm writing, I'm more exhaustive on the, the explanations and I can, I don't know, I, I don't get lost in my thoughts like I do explaining on YouTube, you, okay. you see, yeah. because when you're trying to explain things, you always lose details that are important details, mm -hmm. you know, and when you are writing, I can express uh, better my feelings when I'm writing. So I decided to also create uh, a blog. So it's like um, the complement, they complement each other. That's great. And you do write that in English too? Yes. Or do you do it um, in Portuguese as well? I It, it has the both languages. Okay. Actually, the, the first part uh, of the text is in English and then it's in Portuguese. Um, well, I, I, I do it in English because I would like it to reach the most amount of people. And uh, I know that Portuguese is like the fifth uh, language most spoken in the world, but still it's not English, you know. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so it was a choice. It was like okay. I'm going to, to write in English and... But I'm not going to give up on my main language because it would not be fair because mm. I have uh, many Portuguese followers that don't speak English. Okay. Uh, so, so I do the post bilingual, so it's, it's okay. But your, your blogs are awesome for English, like unbelievable. Inspiring to think that you can write equally. I guess you'd know because you speak Portuguese, but I think the English blog looks great. It's just amazing that you can write a blog in two different languages. That's incredible. Yeah, and I was going to write it in Spanish too. Ah, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. because I, I speak five languages, so <laughs> to me, <laughs> I'm not fluent, like, speaking, you mm -hmm. know, like, I, I do fully understand French and Italian and Spanish, but uh, to me, it's not, I'm not fluent speaking, so it would be harder. 
but I think I've always uh, dealt with uh, English and I've learned English since a very young age. Mm. And uh, so it's, it's, to me, it's pretty easy. And I've worked for some foreigner companies, so we all had to speak English and traveling. It's very, also very helpful for you to start speaking with other people in, in a common language because English is our common language. Yeah, and it's really, it's good and bad. It's great for someone like us because we can go anywhere and not have to learn a language in theory. It's also bad because no one takes it seriously. So in school, French, German, Spanish are probably the three that you probably get chosen to do. No one, barely anyone takes it seriously, including me when I was young, because you always know that you don't need it when you go away, right? And it's really bad. And it puts a bit of a shame on us as a as a population. Yeah, but I think like if you make an effort when you're traveling, for example, yeah. if you make an effort to to try to communicate with people, at least learning some um, words, basic words like good morning, good evening, thank you, like the the polite words, as I say. Um, People, I think, anywhere you go, if you just learn these basic words, it's very helpful because not only because you can speak with people in the basic needs, but... um, People look at you different, you know, like they look at you like, wow, you're making an effort mm. to to integrate, you know, to to understand us and to make a part of our culture. It's I think at least I do always an effort to learn some basics uh, in the languages when I when I travel. Yeah, I think that's one of the, one of the key tips is to try and learn 10 words and try and make yeah. a, a few sentences i think that goes a long way i have done that yeah. previously in like you know south america with spanish brazil and portugal for portuguese so it's weird i don't seem to re- remember many portuguese words but spanish words i can remember so i don't know what the difference is there but i think portuguese is harder i think um yeah what- portuguese is a really hard uh, language to learn it's very mm-hmm. difficult it's really yeah. very difficult because we have a lot of uh, time verbs and the same letter has like five different meanings, like mm-hmm. the X has five different meanings. And we have a lot of closed sounds, you know, like the shush. And yeah. it's it's really, really difficult, not learning in writing, you know, but uh, the, pron- the pronunciation, it's very, very difficult. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I think... I've just about got by with some with some sentences. Yeah. So we talked a little bit. We'll come back to your blog at the end uh, and get some more details. But we're going to talk about one of your blog posts, and that's solo travel in India. Yeah. So I've been to India too, and it's great to have someone who has also been to India. So solo travel in India as a as a female is quite a thing. We met a few people. They had some stories. So what was your plan? I didn't have a plan actually because. Okay. Uh, I started to think about, well, in the beginning of 2020, I wanted to do a trip, a big one. And I thought, well, I'm going to plan the Route 66 in the States. Oh, okay. And I, I did all of the plan, you know. Uh, I still have it and I didn't went there. <laughs> <laughs> but I will one day. One day, I just woke up and thought, well, I really wanted to do something different. And the Route 66, it's not that... You know, it doesn't have that impact on me. Yeah. Um, 
I, I already have been in uh, in the States and well, you know, sometimes I need to be shaken. You see, like culturally totally shaken. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought, well, I should go to India. It wasn't even in my plans. It was never like that dream journey like most people have to connect with themselves. And well, it wasn't like that. And um, actually, I found uh, um, a travel company from India and I connect with them and they more or less they designed the trip for me mm-hmm. and they got me um, some travel, um, some guides, travel guides, local travel guides of the cities that I was going to visit. It was not like one major travel guide that was going ah, okay. to. Okay, so mm-hmm. it was always local travel guides which made me made me really happy because i was giving money to someone from there that sure, needs absolutely. the money you know yeah. it was not a huge company so well this was my plan just like okay i'm going for it more or less three weeks to india by myself three, three weeks yeah yeah because it's it, it was more or less like that uh because um it's not very easy to find people to travel, you know, mm. um, and I'm very used to travel solo. So um, my friends are always working or have kids or sure. don't have money. And um, I asked my mother, do you want to go with me? Because she travels a lot with me. Yeah. And she was like, no, I can't go to India. I can't go to oh. see that reality oh, you know, okay. because she's, She's very sensitive to some realities, <laughs> and it was it was going to be a very hard trip for her. So I went solo. Okay, and I think India is that is out of the comfort zone. If I could define maybe a really like shaky trip, as you said, like you need to shake yourself. That is India. You're gonna see and smell and hear a lot of things. So where where did you land? I guess you landed in Delhi, I suppose. Yeah, I landed yeah. in Delhi in the beginning of the pandemic so in wow. march 2020 i was one of the last visas that india um, g- gave to to foreigners that year mm-hmm. um because uh, china was already closed italy was already a chaos so yeah. the pandemic yeah. is already arriving in uh, in europe and the day i boarded to to india the first COVID cases were diagnosed in Portugal. Wow. So uh, I remember that I took a, a flight to Dubai and the flight was supposed to be totally full and we, it was totally empty. Crazy. So two, two years ago now, isn't it? Two years ago, yeah. Yeah, two years yeah. now in March. Yeah, in yeah. the beginning of March. And so it was, um, well, I landed in Delhi and it was chaotic. I was three and a half hours to get out of the airport because whoa that long yeah <laughs> whoa crazy because yeah because uh, when when I get off the the plane we already had to go to a doctor we already have to fill like three or four forms I don't remember about the places where we had been before mm. and uh, and then you don't have. Uh, internet connection on your phone because there is no wi-fi mm-hmm. if you don't have an indian number which i didn't because i just arrived 
Yeah. So <laughs> I couldn't find all the details they asked in the form uh, because I couldn't access my email. It was uh, it was an adventure ju just arriving at the airport. <laughs> and were you was, worried at this point that you, you maybe not be able to get back? Was that in your mind? No, where you thinking? It wasn't even. It wasn't even. Um, a scenario, you know, yeah. because everything was, well, the, the scenario started to change like on the second week. Okay. Uh, and I realized after arriving and on the first days, because on the two first days I went to, to visit Delhi um, and Delhi is a chaotic place crazy. and yeah. it's crazy and all Delhi's beyond my imagination was really like, <laughs> uh, until that day but after that <laughs> I was surprised in many ways yeah so um yeah I I never considered that I was not going to be able to to come back home just on the second week there there uh I started to realize that the world was changing very very fast yeah and for instance, in India, uh, two days after I went to Taj Mahal, Taj Mahal closed. Oh, wow. Okay. It's really so close. I was yeah. always raining, uh, running. Yeah, in the sort of, of the, chasing in the you. Of the rain, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to arrive to India, to visit the places, to come home. It was like, it was crazy. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned Taj Mahal and obviously Delhi. Where did you go? What main places did you see? Uh, I went to on Rajasthan to. Oh, yeah. I, I need to to get back to India because I, I India is huge and so you don't see yeah. anything in such like two weeks or three weeks. It's impossible. Mm. Uh, you just have a, a slight idea about what India is. It's such a huge place and complex and so so rich because I love India. I really do love India. It's uh, an amazing country. And mm. um, I went to Rajasthan too, to Jaipur. Nice. And yeah. then I went to Madhya Pradesh to Orcha. From uh, yeah. Agra, I went to Orcha too. Mm -hmm. I spent there the, the holy. And then I went to some more small villages and I ended my trip in Varanasi. Oh, you went Varanasi? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's it another, was, another crazy place. Yeah, but actually, I loved it, and I yeah. want to go back because, um, for as much as this sounds like awkward, but in the middle of that chaos of all the noises and all the the bells ringing and the chanting mm -hmm. and the prayers, and the boats and the people and the cows and everything. One day I sit it on the, the gats and I thought, yeah, I'm in peace. You know, I'm at peace. Oh, okay. I, I feel peace inside myself. So it was like, wow. Just like, how can I feel so, so much in peace in, a, in the middle of such a chaotic place? <laughs> yeah. Because it's like chaos everywhere, you know, and you see a lot of poverty and, and a lot of, well, it's a hard reality to see there, and uh, but it's such a spiritual place that I don't know. I, it's I still can't define Varanasi. It's like <laughs> I I think I struggle with it because I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Because if people don't know who are listening, Varanasi is where a lot of Hindus basically go to die. So if they're if yeah. they're coming towards the end of their life, they sort of make that. I guess it's like a pilgrimage, really, to Varanasi to the Ganges, and then. 
what you see when you get there is, as Angela said, there's like all these gats and all these noises and chanting and there's all this music and then there's all this smell and ashes in the air. It's because they burn the bodies on the banks of the Ganges. I was like, what is this place? This is another level. And it's, it is chaotic, but I can see when you go down the windy streets, you can say, oh, yeah, it's a, it, it does feel, like, yeah, it feels like you're a bit at peace, really. There's some sort of order to it as well. It's a, it's a strange place. Yeah, it is. It's like being in a movie set, mm. but um, I don't know. I, I did two boat trips in Varanasi, yes. uh, one at yes. the end of the, the day and another one in the early morning for the sunrise. Yeah, we did that. And yeah. at the end of the day, uh, it was like an heavy weather. It was going to rain and it rained a lot uh, in that evening. And uh, we went to see uh, the crematories. Mm-hmm. And it was my my first. I I couldn't even uh, photograph um, oh, the crematories, yeah. you know, because uh, it, it, I thought it was going to be so disrespectful true. to take true. pictures. You know, I took from afar, yeah, from the middle of the river. I took pictures where you see all the the like city bigger, and yeah. the, the banks yeah. of, of the river, and you see all the movement of the boats. And yeah, you see uh, the fire <laughs> uh, there, but you don't see the bodies by itself because, mm-hmm. yeah, I took a moment for no, I'm not going to to pick up my camera and to to photograph. I'm just going to record these images in my head, and that's all. Yeah, I think when you do that sunrise tour, it's great the colors that come over because obviously oh, the, it's, it's, it's amazing, amazing. Like you just see the it's city to rise. Yeah. And the noises started to come and the and the color you see the colors in the distance it, it's a pretty incredible sight yeah it's really amazing I think uh, everyone should go uh, to Varanasi when in India everybody should should visit Var- Varanasi because it's quite it's like totally different for from what we are used to it's yes it's really it's it's like the the peak you know <laughs> <laughs> It's like really, really uh, getting to the summit of India, you know, it's uh, the summit, the cultural summit of India. It's like go to Varanasi. If you want to to have a challenge, go to Varanasi. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And all, all the Gats, which are like uh, little streets, just in case people don't know what they are. It's G-H-A-T, Gat. They all go down to the river. So there's like loads yeah. of Gats you can choose to maybe just walk down one of them and you'll eventually get to the Ganges. And then, yeah, you'll just look across the Ganges and see. And I think there's a ceremony. Camels on the the other side. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. And I think there's a ceremony at at 6 p.m., maybe something like that, every night. Yeah, it's the RT. It's the RT ceremony where they they are thankful for the blessings of the day and they go to thank to Mother Ganga, which they call it Ganges River. Mm. Uh, They go thank the river for the blessings of the day because they consider uh, Ganges a source of life. True. Even though I think there's nothing, uh, no living being in there because no water. I, I would doubt. And if you want to, if you want to be really brave, you can take a dip and have no, a wash. no, I didn't. <laughs> I just put my my candle. I like my candle, yeah. and I just yeah. put the candle. And actually, my hands got in the, into the water, and I thought, oh, I'm going to lose my fingers. But no, they are still here <laughs> because that water. It's really it's a mix of. 
what used to be water and what is oil from the boats and pollution, mm. urban pollution and the crematories because they dump the, the remains of the bodies there. So it's like a, a mix. <laughs> so, Absolutely. I think I, for us Westerners, it's better not to take a, a dip in there. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want. They do ask you if you're on the boat, they'll say, oh, do you want to go in? And we, we all no, said no. The, the guy actually told me, well, you have the, the life-saving jack. Yeah. Uh, if something happens, you know, because it was a wood boat. And he told me, well, you have a life-saving jacket. And I told him, well, I don't think if we drowned, I will need it because <laughs> I will die anyway. <laughs> so we are not used to that pollution know, and to yeah. that food. That's why so many Westerners get food poisons, uh, food poison in, in, in India and sick issues because we we are not used to to that yeah there's some rules in india which we followed which was never really have fruit that's not stone so i'm talking like yeah. i don't know grapes or apples because they'll probably be washed in their own water which might make you sick yeah uh, always drink bottled water we avoided meat because meat can be a bit dodgy on the market so we just had vegetarian meals only i did the same yeah and I think you'll be fine. I was sick once, really, really badly sick in Mount Abu, which is in Rajasthan. Mm -hmm. um, I was sick for like three days. It was awful. Uh, I don't really know what happened. I can't pinpoint what happened. I didn't have any meat. It must have been, I have no idea. Yeah, it's just if you brush your teeth with yeah, some weird like water, it's enough. It's enough. Yeah. So I, I was very lucky because I didn't uh, get sick. Mm. Um, I never get sick on my my trips, so I'm. I think I'm tough. So yeah, that's fair uh, enough. It is, yeah, but I take a lot of cares when I travel, and I try not not even brush my teeth with with uh, current water, only bottled water. water yeah. And in India, I had a friend that uh, advised me not when when you buy uh, bottled water, always check. If it's really sealed, you know, ah, okay. because kids go to the to the street and they pick up uh, empty bottles and they go and refill them and they sell the bottles. Oh wow! I didn't know this. <laughs> and you think you are buying um, genuine oh. bottled water and you are not because they glue, they seal <laughs> again, you know, and they sell it like that. So wow. even when you're buying uh, bottled water, make sure it is real. <laughs> that is a great tip. I, I did not even know that. Did not even know yeah. that. <laughs> also, the spices, you're going to climatize the spice. And for me, because we're there for three months, it took maybe like two weeks um, before we felt that we were like used to the the spice level was in India. So we did get there eventually, but it is going to burn your mouth off yeah. if you don't say that. You're I, really I'm, not a, I'm not a spice lover because I don't like uh, very spicy food. Mm. But well, when in Rome, be a Roman. And, yeah. um, <laughs> I had to, I had to eat. I couldn't only eat like uh, rice and dal. I couldn't only eat that. So I had to eat and well, now I, I like it. I enjoy it. It's not my favorite thing to eat very spicy food because even if you say uh, no spicy, it will always be spicy. Absolutely key. Yeah. It's absolutely right. always spicy because 
what they call no spicy it's um, very spicy for us so yeah what get was, used to it <laughs> what were some of your favorite dishes actually in india oh, butter chicken for life butter butter chicken is life for me I, okay even uh, even in portugal we have here a very good where i live a very good indian restaurant which is actually uh from indian people mm. uh so the lady already knows because it's always butter chick. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. I think mine was the talis. You know, the, the, the big talis that you get where it's all you oh, can eat. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they were my favorite. Vegetarian talis. Yeah. yeah, it's very, I think it's very difficult because they have such a large offer about uh, in what concerns to food. It's really difficult to choose a favorite one, you know, it's mm. like, well, there are some kind of foods that I enjoyed most and others that I know that I don't like, but the favorite one, it's not, it's not that easy. I really like butter chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> Very quickly to ask about Rajasthan. So you saw the Taj Mahal in Agra. What else did you see? In I went to Jaipur. Jaipur. To Jaipur, yeah. yeah. Uh, I went there and also we went to a palace, really beautiful palace, like it has uh, paintings, the walls are painted, hand painted, mm -hmm. um, the paintings are uh, 60, 100 years, I think, and they are still intact, you know, wow. it's like awesome, it's really, really awesome, it's mm. beautiful, they have amazing architecture they there i just went in rajasthan i just went to jaipur i would like to to go again to india to visit jaipur better because uh, i would like to go more to the border with uh, to the desert to the border with pakistan like jail summit that's where we stayed for yeah. two weeks yeah. that's where we volunteered yeah very different to anywhere else in in, in rajasthan it's much more laid back near the border desert people really so, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Cool. it's like going back in time. It must be yeah, yeah. like amazing. And the Jaipur is known as the pink, pink city. I think. I think, I think there's, a, city, there's yeah. loads of gates. It goes like out of the old into the new town. I think something like that. I seem, I seem to recall. So it's a cool city. <laughs> yeah, and the buildings are all painted pink because uh, when the Queen, the UK Queen, went mm. there the last time, they think uh, Indians. Um, Think that pink it's the the color to welcome you to show you there that you are very welcome mm. and the last time the queen went there they painted the city all in pink to show wow. her that she was very very welcome so it's a, a very beautiful city i think it's it's yes, amazing beautiful. and you have the palace of winds which is not actually a palace mm. but it's um the architecture is amazing amazing yeah it's a must-see jaipur we loved it i think it's one of our favorite places in in india that we went to for that three months for sure yeah i Do loved orchard too oh yeah okay yeah yeah it's amazing it's really the temples are awesome a few more questions before we move on to your next and also you can <laughs> find out about your trip on your blog on your website which is blonde around the world travel.com how did you find traveling as a female solo uh i think um of course, you have to take the the basic cares as it's it's really sad to say this in 2022, but it's very different to be a, a woman traveling or a man traveling. Mm -hmm. uh, it's still more dangerous to women for many reasons. But I don't 
think I, I don't think it is the drama that people sell so many times. Uh, mainly the Westerner travelers sell so many times. Because yeah, you have to to make sure that you dress accordingly, that you respect the culture, that you don't go out at night, for example, all by yourself. You make yourself respectful. I don't know if this makes sense, because if you uh, if someone, some guy approached me like asking me questions like, "Why are you solo? Are you married?" Um, for the record, I was always married in India. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody thought that I had a husband that worked a lot. And that's why he wasn't there with me. <laughs> <laughs> but when when they approached me like with this kind of questions, you don't have to be unfriendly, but you don't have to be very friendly. I don't Got know it. if this no, no, makes no, I mean, sense. Like firm. Yeah, firm. If, yeah, to keep the distance because yeah. they can misinterpret you, you know, because if, if I pass through you on the streets and I smile to you in our context of the West, it's bad because you're going to think, huh, she's smiling at me. <laughs> But in India, it can be really, really uh, bad if you do so. Because it can take, uh, you can have bad consequences about it. Yeah. And especially with the clothes, I saw, I didn't um, meet many foreigners in India because of the pandemic. Mm. Uh, but I think people have to realize that they have to dress like the people there dress. You don't show your legs in India, you don't show your shoulders, you don't show the cleavage. If you feel a little bit uncomfortable, you put a scarf on your head and the sunglasses. It's enough. And you cut the conversation if you feel uncomfortable. It's just sure. like just like that. And you don't have to feel bad like, oh, I'm not being polite or something like that. No, you just, I don't want to talk to you, period. It's the end of the conversation. So, and they don't insist. It's, uh, but it's not the drama that everybody, I never felt insecure in India, for example. Okay. I always felt okay. And, and I stayed always in reliable places. Mm-hmm. I didn't stay in cheaper backpack places. I always stayed in good uh, hotels because if you are a woman staying in a cheap place, where the people working there don't have much uh, education because they come from the, the countryside of India and they are there to work and they see a woman traveling solo and that it's difficult for them to understand because yeah, they don't it. have yeah. that in their culture, you know? Mm. So if you're there alone, mm, it's not very smart to stay in a cheap backpack uh, places. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. We, always stayed in guest houses or hostels but we did have a few females just kind of travel with us because you're right they weren't like scared or they weren't intimidated they just found it a bit easier to travel with us because they had a few males and it's as simple as that they weren't getting approached they weren't getting asked questions they can just like be seen to be with males unfortunately they would like be with us for a short period of time then go off again solo and they just said like that little period of time is just a bit easier for them and, and less less stress and less thinking they can just follow us around for a bit because it makes life a bit easier traveling there yeah and and people 
of course, people stare at you because it's a cultural thing. They like yes, to that's stare. Quite to stay, interesting just thing, like yeah. looking at you and stop and taking pictures. And I took like hundreds of thousands of selfies with people that <laughs> I'm never going to see again, mostly with women because I, I never accepted to take pictures with guys, mm-hmm. especially with groups of guys. It was It is a big no-no to do. Yeah. Uh, red flag if you see, if you are traveling solo as a female and see a group of guys approaching, just go away and try not to uh, interact with them, <laughs> per se. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I took hundreds of, of selfies because they like to do it. And yeah, people look at you on the street because you are different. I was the one who was different there. So mm. yeah, they stared at me. I'm really, really white. I'm blonde. So I was like, yeah, the green Ipo going down the street. I was. You're probably getting white. most attention being blonde, uh, female, yeah. solo, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to get the most, like, most attention. Like having a neon yeah. on my head. Yeah. Just, well, I'm here, look. <laughs> and I'm really tall, you know. So I'm really tall uh, everywhere. <laughs> I stand it. <laughs> so yeah. It's, okay. uh, it's funny. <laughs> and just one last thing for India. Any any like top tip for a thing to do in India that you say people should do? Oh, the top tip. Um, don't drink water, uh, tap water. <laughs> <laughs> the second top tip. Always, if you're, especially if you are a, a woman, always dress like uh, modestly. Don't show show off because there's no need to to show off. Mm. Um, and uh, another top tip: traveling by train is a challenge. And if you are a woman, there are carriages just for women. Yes. So yeah. if you feel safer uh, in that way, so I I didn't went on a train uh, with a woman carriage because I bought tickets from a touristy uh, carriage specifically and of course the tickets were more expensive but it was fine i traveled with indians or only indians and it was really really safe so and another tip be prepared that in india things take time they have their own time their own concept of time so don't freak out if uh, the train is delayed like two hours or if the train is broken or always bark everything, always bark everything. Mm. All the prices, like the rickshaws, the taxis, everything, always bark before you enter the transportation. Yeah, that's, that's a key tip. thing that we did like towards the end is the rickshaws that will pick you up from the bus station or train station. They'll give you a price, right? But if you went on Uber and put the route in for Uber, it's so much cheaper than the rickshaws. And yeah. you see how much they're scamming you. So you just go, well, I can get an Uber in an aircon car for this price. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like, it's, it's not true. Like, yeah, it's true. It's on the app. I can press, like, go now. And then they'll start to reduce their price. So it's a key, key tip if you want to, like, maybe not get ripped off. And the thing with rickshaws is you need to be quite firm and say, like, no shop, no restaurant. Oh, yeah. I want to yeah. go from here to here. Done. Learn, learn to say nahi. Nahi is the key word in India. It's no. Uh, when I got to, to Jaipur, to the fort, uh, I was solo and my guide told me, well, you're going to be like approached by dozens of, of sellers. 
So they came to me and I was completely surrounded by sellers mm. trying to, to sell their things. I, I didn't even look yeah. at what they were selling. And they all are, and I, I started to, to scream, Nahi, Nahi, stop, Nahi. And they stopped it. And they looked at me like, oh, you speak Hindu? Yeah. No, I just can't say Nahi. <laughs> It's just this. <laughs> yeah. Good tip that as well. Yeah, we, we did use that a lot. It needs to be firm. Um, yeah, that's safe. why it is important to to know at least three or four words in the, the language because you, you will need the language at some point. Yep, you will. And just to add to Angela's tips, my few tips for India would be go to Varanasi. Go to... Oh, yeah. Go to Jaisalmer, which is in the west, where we talked about earlier about in Rajasthan, where it's towards a desert. It's well worth visiting there. Two very different places there, yeah. So you'll get both ends of the spectrum. And also, I think Jaipur or Udaipur, which is another place in Rajasthan. Udaipur is like the the Venice of uh, of India, they call it, because it's all all the buildings are white, and it's got like a lake, and it's got like some like a little building in the middle of a lake and stuff. So that's worth going to as well because it's. Um, I found that place less chaotic, a bit more chilled. So Udaipur is definitely worth visiting um, if people want to maybe not be in, like, in a crazy place like Delhi, for example. And I'll link Angela's blog to my show notes so you can read Angela's blog by India. Next topic, you went on a road trip to Iceland, not in the summer, but in the winter. Yeah, <laughs> now, I I'm, in, yeah. I'm intrigued. What was happening here? <laughs> well, I like to travel in March. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's your month of choice, right? <laughs> Not exactly, but you know, if you want to see the Northern Lights, you have to go in winter. Yeah. And it was one of my bucket list items was the Northern Lights. And um, you can go there and not see, but but I had to risk it. And also March is already considered the shoulder season. So uh, you can still see Northern Lights. It's Auroras Budiais in Portuguese. So <laughs> okay. Northern Lights. Yeah. <laughs> it's very difficult. In the winter, it was not, a, not a, um, a thing for me because you don't have enough light to travel the country and to do it in 12 days like I did. Uh, so... Um, I had to exclude the winter, winter, the, the peak season of winter. So in the summer, it's extremely expensive and extremely crowded. So I found there March. Yeah, March was good. So I went there on the middle, middle March 2019. And what was your plan? My plan was to road trip all the country yeah. and uh, the ring road and also the golden circle and also going to snap. I don't know how to say this and probably this is so wrong. Snafflesness Peninsula, which is North Reykjavik and on the west of the, the island. So the goal was to do more or less uh, 3,000 kilometers in 10 days. Wow, that's yeah, in very winter, quick. In the, peak, in the peak of the winter, so, <laughs> with lots of snow and, and really bad weather, but it was the plan. <laughs> and were you solo traveling at this point, or were you with any friends? Or No, what? this time I went with a very good friend of mine. She's like my young sister. Okay. And when I share with her my plans, I told her, oh, I'm going to, I'm planning a road trip to Iceland and I really want to do this and I really want to see uh, the Northern Lights. 
And she was like, do you mind if I go with you? Because she knows I like to travel solo. Yeah. But I'm so glad that she came with me on this road trip because she was my, my co-pilot. She was essential for this trip because driving in Iceland, it's considered one of the most dangerous places to drive in sure. winter. Uh, she was essential for the trip. Yeah. Okay. And I know you had some stories. So yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> I, I'd imagine you got you got in trouble on the road. I think Iceland in the winter would be like the road might close because there's like a, a storm or avalanche or something, right? So did you have any problems getting all the way around? Yeah, I, I got an avalanche uh, on the second day in Iceland. So wow. it was like my baptism, you know. Mm. Uh, it was like, <laughs> well, we don't have snow in Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. We only have like Serra da Estrela, which has snow for a month in the in January, February. So I'm not even used to drive in the snow. And I didn't rent a four by four because I thought oh, it you was didn't. not necessary. No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. I thought it was fine because... <laughs> <laughs> what's the drama about the four yeah, by fours in Iceland? We need them, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I rented the, a station wagon because we had a lot of luggage and uh, I went to the, uh, rented a station wagon and that's why I had so many issues <laughs> driving. <laughs> if I didn't rent a four by four, I don't know what, what was on my mind, really. I don't. <laughs> in the day we arrived, the weather was so, so, so awful that I, I didn't saw the color of the houses in Reykjavik. I oh, just wow. followed the GPS, yeah. the accommodation, yeah. because we always stayed in Airbnbs. Um, we had a shared Airbnb. And when we got there, the girls that were there were looking at us like, what happened to you? And I was like, man, if this is going to be like this for 12 days, I can't stand it, <laughs> really. Yeah, but on the second day, I got an avalanche in Sticky Shulmer. <laughs> because wow. we went Sticky Shulmer is where is the peninsula where you find the Black Church, the, the Instagrammable Black Church. Yeah, I've seen that on there. your blog, yeah. Yeah, and I had the route to do. Uh, we were going to see some seals, and then we were going to the church. And then uh, all around the volcano uh, on the peninsula mm. and to um, uh, Kirkjufellfoss, I think it's like this. Uh, if someone from Iceland is listening to me, uh, forgive me, <laughs> <laughs> because your names are very difficult. Very difficult language. And, yeah, we're going to see uh, the mountain, the iconic mountain in the cone with the, the waterfall. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to stay in Sticky Shulmer, which is a, a wonderful little town, uh, fisherman's town. Well, the plan didn't go accordingly uh, to what we have thought. <laughs> and we didn't see the seals. Oh. Um yeah, and then when we were on the Black Church, uh, the app, they have apps on the phone for everything, the roads, the, the, the weather condition, everything. And the app warned us that uh, the road that was circling the peninsula was closed. So we have to go to the mountain. We have to cross the peninsula through the mountain. Wow. And I still don't know how I did it because we got an avalanche uh, and it was like 
scary as hell. Mm. Uh, I think that if 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 I got through the road on Iceland, I can go drive on anywhere anywhere, <laughs> anywhere in the world. Yeah, because we're going to cross the mountain, and I told Rita, my friend. Well, this doesn't look very good, but we have to go there. It's we have the accommodation there, and we have to cross the mountain. And at some point, on the highest part of the mountain, our side, the the right side of the road, was all covered in high snow. They have like sticks uh, marking the the height of the snow, and the stick is like two meters high, and it was all Whoa. covered. Wow! Yeah, so I had to the visibility was zero mm. zero and she was with the gps telling me you need to turn in 50 meters or something like that because i didn't see anything and i have to go driving on the left side okay and i don't i'm not even religious but i prayed <laughs> because <laughs> there was no guards in the the ravine you know, and it was a huge ravine on the mountain. And uh, I, I went all the road, uh, like uh, with my my lights, uh, like doing light signals mm-hmm. and beeping all the way up for someone. If in the case of someone comes uh, on the opposite side, they know I'm there, but it was just like, I, I don't know. And um, seeing that avalanche coming, down the mountain it was really like that must be scary we both thought well this is it it's the second day in iceland and we're going to die oh my god yeah it covered the no because we 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 passed through the avalanche you know it was starting and then on the next day we had to to be an extra day on sticky shulmer because we had planned to go to olmavik which is north yes Uh, really on the northwest of the island and we had to cancel that plan because um besides of the the snow there were also rivers flooding and all all the the roads were were cut so we couldn't go anywhere we had to stay there for one day more okay and your plan for this was to maybe like book airbnbs in different towns and that's your day you get from a to b and you stay yeah, there one we, night. Have, we had uh, a short amount of time, so we had to schedule everything. Uh, and it's not very easy to find accommodation in Iceland. It's Especially not like, in the countryside or little towns, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I remember that on the... Then we went to Akurairi, which is the capital yeah, yeah, of the north. Yeah. And then we crossed all the country to the West Fjords. And uh, there you don't have that much accommodation it mm. was really hard to find a place to stay there i okay. i can't say the name where i stay because it's like maybe 20 letters yeah. <laughs> it's like a train word you know it's it's like yeah but uh it's not easy to travel in iceland in winter i saw some people in um in vans traveling in vans yeah. and to me it was not an option because you won't have any comfort because uh, you will have to be with your heat turned on all the time. Exactly. You yeah. will freeze during the night. Yeah. So it's not an option, a comfortable option. Well, it's an option if you like to freeze, but it's not. It's not an option. At least to me, it's not. 
<laughs> yeah, because you have no second option of no camping. No, no you can't really stay in your Jeep. No, you no, have no. to find somewhere to stay. So was there any times where there was nowhere to stay or did you always find something? No, we always found something because it was um, it was shoulder season. So you have plenty of of accommodation available Mm. and if it's not in one little city it's in another little city closer so it's uh, it was quite quite easy to to manage the the accommodation okay and how did you find the the second city i can't pronounce this very well akurai akurai the the north of the north of the country right it's right at the top so how did you find that because that's kind of i guess that's maybe the second place that people might know well, Reykjavik, it's a small city for our yeah. standards and uh, even for Portuguese standards, which are small. Uh, but Akureyri, it's even smaller. Mm-hmm. And it's a really friendly place. I think it's uh, friendly, familiar, and you don't have much to see. It's not like a city where, well, I think you don't go to Iceland to visit cities, actually. You go to Iceland to Absolutely. see landscapes and nature. Yeah. Um, but it's a very friendly uh, city. I think it's uh, everyone is really welcoming and it's um, a cultural city. You see, every coffee shops have libraries and you find a lot of coffee, sh- coffee shops with libraries um, in the main roads. Mm. So it's uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, would you do that same trip in the summer maybe? Would that, would that interest oh, you? Oh, well? I will. I will do it in the summer, but camping and with the van. Okay. Yeah. A but bit, because a bit I think it's, it's uh, yeah, and it's very you can connect more with nature, you see, uh, when you travel in, in a van. And Iceland has great places where you can stay, mm. where you can have everything, uh, like showers and bathrooms and everything. And so why not? I think it's, uh, and I would like to also do the, the glacier tours where you go inside yeah, the awesome. caves yeah. of the glaciers which is not possible in the winter when I went there. Mm. Uh, so it's, um, it's I, I need to go back to Iceland. It's one of my favorite places on earth, actually. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I have been, yeah. but it's such a long time ago that I don't really recall too much. I saw the uh, Skogafoss waterfall. I, I did see that. Uh, and that was amazing. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah, amazing. Yeah, I went there too. And... Yeah. I saw, I saw Skogafoss in the middle of, uh, uh, it, it was snowing really really mm. badly and we were in the car having lunch and just like okay so this is Kogafoss okay yeah and then the sky just opened and the sun got really bright and he dropped two rainbows on the waterfall it's oh, wow. like a oh, painting dreamy. it's amazing <laughs> yeah I was really nature was really really kind to me <laughs> yeah that, that's awesome I'd love to do what you've done and go to the, the smaller places like do that loop around the islands that's definitely on my list yeah. I think Icelandic people are one of the nicest people that well, I've met because I, I think if you're stuck in a little village and it's like winter, like you're traveling and maybe you knock on someone's door, they would probably invite you in just to stay, right? Because they understand that yeah, it's cold. Yeah, they will help you. They, help you, they yeah. help you in everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They are really friend, friendful, yeah. And they all speak English, so you, you, you don't have to learn Icelandic. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's it's like only Icelandic people can speak Icelandic 
no one else can speak Icelandic. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, yeah, true. It's crazy. It's really crazy. And the Northern Lights, I guess you saw them, right? Oh, yeah, I yeah. did. Uh, it was quite an experience uh, because we we already um, had a glimpse of the Northern Lights mm. when we were in Sticky Shulmore. In uh, that day, we had to stay one more night. And but it was just something really, really soft. And then we in the, the south uh, near Ella, a city named Ella, I decided that we are going to stay in a farm, a horse farm. So we stayed in the horse farm. Mm -hmm. They have like those bungalows in the middle of the farm. And it was uh, there that we saw uh, the northern lights and it was like amazing <laughs> yeah your photo on the um on the blog looks amazing as well so again i will share that blog so people can read about your crazy trip any top tips for iceland well rent a four by four yes <laughs> <laughs> In, even if you even if you travel uh, during the summer rent a four by four because the roads are really good but um the humidity and the cold and the wind, you can have icy roads. So rent a four by four. Um, wear layers, lots of layers. If mm. you go on winter, you don't have to have um, really big sweaters or anything. The secret is layers because you're going to to catch a lot of different kind of, of um, weather conditions and really good waterproof jacket and boots are essential and that's it iceland it's a really really easy uh, place to travel it to. is you're right it is so and you will find everything you need on the stores so you don't you don't need to go with a huge carry-on i took a huge carry-on because of i need to take my tripod and i need mm. to take everything for photography so uh, but I, I didn't took much well snow boots of course because it was winter. But in case in the case you are going on summer, you won't need that much. True. And an extra question for you is maybe some of your favorite maybe little towns or things that you saw. So obviously Northern Lights has got to be like up there, of course. But is there anything yeah. else that you loved that you that you saw? Uh, I loved the the. Um, Snaffelsnes Peninsula. Uh, I think it's pretty unique and you have uh, a lot to see there. And um, the, the, the east side of the island, which is more remote, it's more genuine, it's more raw. Uh, well, the north, it's raw too, but in another ways, in, in uh, nature raw. Mm -hmm. uh, in the west side of the country, because if you travel all, all the north, you will find snow, snow, snow. It's like being on the moon and the volcanoes and the craters and everything. And then you go uh, through the tunnel inside of the fjord. And when you exit, you see um, green landscapes. It's like, okay, oh. where am I now? Yeah. It's just like in the, the snowy moon. And now I'm... <laughs> Where am I? Yeah, and it's I like very much the the east side of the the country. You don't have you have many not paved roads on the east side, but you can still do it because they are they are they are good. Mm -hmm. Okay, and things that I did experience is it's quite expensive, so you're gonna need 
a bit of a budget to go with and they love their fish because obviously it's an island so i had some good fish and chips there which was great but again it's expensive so take take some money because you're going to need it yeah i i remember i paid just to to do uh some scaling here i paid 25 euros for an hamburger <laughs> wow wow yeah, 25 euros yeah <laughs> with just like five wow. chips yeah it yeah. was very very yeah. expensive yeah okay yeah that's one top tip for me take your money okay i've said it's great <laughs> next we're gonna do one more country that you've talked about and then we're gonna do your blog and then some quick fire travel questions so next country is lebanon which i've not actually had anyone on the podcast so far talk about so this is a unique country which is great i can really promote this so lebanon off the beaten track tell us about lebanon i don't know too much about it i know lebanese food i know that but when did you go to lebanon and what was your plan i went to lebanon in july uh, last year 2021 yeah Uh, and this time I went with a group. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I, I guess I do all kinds of possibilities in travel. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, but actually I didn't know anyone from the group. It was uh, really funny because I have a friend, he has a travel agency and okay. he plans uh, trips all around the world, but always uh, trips uh, off the beaten path. Um, so not only the, the main touristy sites, but also the cultural experience. Uh, and it was really funny because he published the, the trip to Lebanon and I thought, well, this is a good trip to do. Um, we were a group of seven, I think, mm -hmm. seven or eight, I think. Uh, I didn't know anyone there, but now we are friends for life exactly. so it was a, yeah. a very very cool experience yeah well lebanon is such a gem i think lebanon it's um i loved uh, the country it's a very small country very small yeah yeah but really with such an history it's amazing and it's very diverse also because you can find Uh, you can be in the mountain skiing and in the morning and at the beach in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So it's really, you find all in Lebanon. It's quite interesting because it's a very small country. Guess most people just know Beirut. That's obviously a, a place that everyone does know. Did you used to stay in Beirut or did you go around the country and maybe no, into smaller places? No, we road tripped the whole country. Oh, we wow. Okay. The whole country. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. went uh, from Beirut Uh, to south to Sahida and uh, down there to Tire, okay. uh, which are two two ancient cities in the south of Lebanon, mm -hmm. and then we went to Baalbek, which is in the border near yeah. the border yeah. with Syria, mm -hmm. and then we did um, uh, the Cedars of God National Park, which is in Kadisha Valley. It's when you go from the border with Syria uh, to the north. Mm -hmm. And then we crossed to the ocean again and we went to Tripoli. Tripoli. Yeah. yeah. And how long was that trip? Was that like 10 days? Uh, 10 days, yeah. 10 days. And that sounds a great trip, actually. Uh, it's never been on my radar. So what were some of the highlights of the trip? Well, definitely the people. Um, I had never been uh, in the Middle East It was okay. my first time in yeah. the Middle East. And I, I think it was actually a good start because uh, Lebanese people are 
amazing. They are so, so friendly. They want to show you everything. Mm. They want to bring you to their homes to have lunch. We had lunch with a family in the south of the country. And it was, the food was amazing as in anywhere uh, we we had uh, food in Lebanon. Yeah. We had a chance yeah. to try their food. But people are so very friendly. They help you. And uh, I have uh, a story with uh, an old man in the south in Tito. Uh, he was opening his store, uh, like a, a souvenir store. And I was uh, taking pictures to a wall near his store. And he started to call me, come here, come here. And I was like, no, I'm not going to buy anything. I'm with my friends. I don't have time those lousy excuses <laughs> and he opened the, the the door of the store and pointed to a shelter and told me take whatever you want it's a gift for you oh wow that's awesome exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay yeah so this is the kind of thing that you find in lebanon and uh lebanese people are really really friendly they are just awesome yeah super friendly i think Unfortunately, it's one of those countries that maybe gets a bit of a bad reputation in the mainstream media. Like it's all politics, isn't it? But as with most countries that you go there and the the people in the street and in these little places are just like us, right? So they want to they want to hear your story, but also tell you their story and invite you in. So it's yeah, we went to, for instance, we went to Tripoli. Um, which is considered a little dangerous city because oh, okay. they have oh, okay. a lot of conflicts mm -hmm. and all the revolution starts there. It's like the, the place where um, all things born like revolutions and, and stuff. Mm. And we went to a neighborhood uh, which is considered by the Western media really, really, really dangerous. And we were welcomed and well, we have an advantage because everybody thinks Portuguese are very cool people. Oh, okay. Uh, so when we got to the, the entrance of the neighborhood, there was a, a military uh, stand. And yeah. the guy asked us, oh, what are you doing here? And a friend of ours that lives there in Lebanon uh, told him, well, we are Portuguese. We just came to see uh, the, the urban art because they have a lot of urban art. And the guy, oh, Portugal, Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, yeah, and, of course. Okay, yeah, yeah. go see the country, <laughs> go see the, the neighborhood. It's like <laughs> Cristiano always opens doors for everybody. A lot, yeah, a lot of doors. Yeah. In case of needs, tell your Portuguese and Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> That's People awesome. That's great, isn't it? And, yeah. and they, they took us to, to, they show us the whole neighborhood. Uh, which is a, a place of conflict, uh, religious and political conflict, mm. and but they they showed us everything and they they welcomed us just and they offered us coffee and tea. It's like uh, we have we have especially because of our our media, mm. our media sells a really wrong image from everything that it's different from us. Yeah, absolutely. And so if it's different, you have to be. Uh, very scared it's uh, no place to go and it's ridiculous because we are all humans and we all have the same dreams we all have we all all want the same things so it's pretty pretty ridiculous to sell this kind of image yeah it's awful because 
those people in that neighborhood will have a coffee with you. The mainstream aren't going to tell you that. I think the key point here is for people not to really take that too seriously, what you hear in the news. There's some stuff that you need to do here about, like, of course, but on the whole, like, I can't wait to go to the Middle East. I'm, I've never been, and I am not worried in the slightest. And some of the countries we're going to go to probably have a really bad reputation. Yeah, but there's good people and bad people everywhere. Everywhere, of course. Yeah. Every country, yeah. every country has its issues. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. not because you live on the east side of the globe or in the west side of the globe that every country we are not we can't we can't say no no I, my shit yeah. is clean. Uh, so. <laughs> you can't do that because everybody has issues. So it's, um, if you focus on going there, on knowing the culture, knowing the people and um, re be respectful always where you go, every place is a good place to go. It's a good place to be. Exactly. No nothing's off limits to a degree. Anywhere you go, you're going to find people like yourself. So just bear that in mind. And don't yeah. don't be afraid of that, I think is a key. Question for this trip. So because you labeled it off the beaten track, is that because you stayed maybe two or three days in Beirut and then the rest was like around the smaller towns and villages? Is that why it's off the beaten track? Yeah, because most people only go to, to Beirut and to Baalbek, which where is on, uh, the ruins, the Roman ruins are. Yeah. And yeah. they don't travel well. Eventually, to Kadishavali to see the Cedars of God, but most people don't go to Tripoli, for True. example. Yeah, because it's not considered a friendly place, and it's like any any city in Europe. You know, you have the old part of the city, the historical part of the city with the souks, and you have the modern part of the city. Uh, with uh, skyscrapers and fancy restaurants, fancy stores. So it's like anywhere else. Yeah. You just have to, to be aware that from time to time riots happen mm. and you don't want to be caught in the wrong place at the wrong time, but you just have to follow the news. They, they announce, oh, be careful because there is going to be a riot in some place. Mm. So you're not going to the yeah. place and you <laughs> avoid you avoid getting danger. So it's like you have to be smart. It's like anywhere else in the world. If there's a riot in the middle of Lisbon, I'm not going to the middle of the riot. I think most countries, I mean, like I don't know, some like Iceland, I don't think there's going to be riots, but other countries, Middle East or Asia or South America, you probably have to just keep an eye on the, on the local news because you can get caught up in some stuff. I don't think I was caught in anything like bad, but like, for example, in Bolivia, when we were there, there was protests all around the country. It wasn't dangerous that the roads were closed. So like you couldn't get from A to B because all these protesters were just like camping on the road. So, so it's stuff like that, which is not like going to hurt you, but you just have to be aware. Yeah. Actually, the day I arrived in Delhi in India, there was a riot uh, all the week. Uh, they were having riots um, because of the change of the law about the Muslims. And mm. I was a bit oh, scared yeah. uh, because, well, it was a pan the pandemic. It was the riots. It was everything waiting for mm. me. But no, for instance, in Lebanon, Nothing happened, and I didn't uh, see anything that I thought, well, this is concerning. Well, except for the, the big crisis the country is living, because they are living a huge humanitarian crisis. We didn't have uh, much fuel to, to go from A to B, 
And we know that if we need something like uh, medical care or something, it will be not very easy mm. uh, because Lebanon is living a really hard time since the explosion in 2020. So that was my next question, actually, was how was Beirut in terms of that? Like, is it still visible, the scars from that explosion? Yeah, yeah. It's not only... <laughs> It's so tangible, you know, it's like you can yeah. can still feel it because uh, for as much as the people uh, are trying to rebuild things and uh, continue continuing with their lives. And I was there 11 months after the explosion. A lot of destruction is still visible. Mm-hmm. So you have the port area all um, destructed. Yeah. And the, the nearby neighborhoods uh, are still like, it's really intense, you know, because I can't even imagine. Well, we saw, everyone saw the images on the internet yeah. or it's on huge. TV. Yeah, but uh, that blast was the, the biggest blast, non-nuclear blast All in right. history. So, Mental, yeah. yeah, the non-nuclear, the biggest non-nuclear blast. I can't even imagine. Well, it's yeah, like, it, it's impossible because so many thousands of people, uh, hundreds died and thousands uh, got homeless. Lost their homes. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. Lost, lost their jobs too, because that area is a very commercial area. It's like um, a place, uh, Bohemian uh, neighborhoods, you know, there with a lot of cool places to go, restaurants and bars and a lot of culture. And from one second to the other, everything disappeared. Well, I think it's not easy for them um, to to live in that condition. And they are living a huge recession, economical recession. Mm -hmm. And their money was worth nothing. So I think they are are going through a lot. I don't think if the Western countries realize how big uh, the dimension of the consequences of a revolution in the end of uh, 2019 and then the explosion in 2020 and uh, the all the political and governmental things that are going on there and they they're struggling a lot they they are still struggling a lot that's the thing with these type of things in the media is that they obviously showcase what happens at the time yeah we always saw the explosion it's really bad it's awful like but then it just goes away and the aftermath is never reported on, right? And I think it's key that we kind of highlight that the people who suffer all the time are the people. It's pretty heartbreaking that they're trying to get back to where they were. And I guess they're going to have to rely on their government to rebuild that area because it's huge, right? Which but they I, don't I reveal this. Yeah, exactly, yeah, so that's a problem. And then how do they get jobs or, or security uh, back? Mostly, so it's, it's mostly the people that are rebuilding the, with their own resources and ONGs are also helping, but yeah, but the money has to come from somewhere, you know, it's, uh, we have to be realistic and mm. for as much as we, Oh, let's go. And, and they can do it. They can rebuild it. They can't because they don't have money and mm. they don't have for as much as they have the, the will to do it. And they are really hardworking people because they are, um, but they don't have the resources. They don't have the money to do it. And there are a lot of historical buildings like with French architecture totally destroyed in ruins. Yeah. And 
the, the, the ONGs are trying to rebuild those buildings too, doing some effort, but it's not enough. It's not enough. No, I don't even know what the roadmap is like for Lebanon or Beirut, should I say. I'd assume that they would probably want tourists to come to feed some money into, into their city, but is that enough? It probably wouldn't be right. It's probably not enough. It needs extra like big money from people. Yeah, yeah. It's of course that when someone like one of us goes to Lebanon, we are helping the economy because we are spending our money there. And so mm. for them, it's awesome. But it's not enough. <laughs> it has to be a, a yeah. larger amount of money because uh, I think at some point the French government told that uh, they were going to help. But they need to establish a government, a serious government. <laughs> True. you know without corruption yeah yeah. La, la, la. that's the problem yeah the same old story yeah. yeah exactly but no one has a government without corruption in the world so impossible again let's be realistic <laughs> yeah or you help them or you're not so <laughs> nightmare hopefully they'll get back to where they were can you name some of your maybe your highlights of lebanon what are some of your favorite things that you saw or, or that you I did i loved I love Tripoli. I, I yeah. have to say Tripoli because I think it's so underrated. You have so much to see in Tripoli. You have, I loved Beirut, of course. It's like the Paris of the Middle East, mm. or it used to be. Hopefully it will be again. Yeah. And I loved Baalbek with the ruins. But Tripoli was really genuine, you know. It's, um, it's like being in real Lebanon. You mm. have those souks with so much life, the modern side of the city where you can find everything. Uh, and you also have a complex, a cultural complex uh, designed by Oscar Niemeyer, which is a uh, really famous, he drawed Brasilia in Brazil from, from the, the beginning. So I'm a huge fan, he's my colleague. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> He's yeah. also a urban planner and architect. Oh, nice. So yeah. it was very, very exciting to be able to, to visit the complex. And um, even though the complex is abandoned in the, the most uh, areas, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it, worth, it is worth the visit, really, really. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing your story for Lebanon. That's brand new. So I will look forward <laughs> to getting that out there for the listeners. A new country is great. We're now going to move on to your blog, which is blondearoundtheworldtravel.com, which I'll, again, put the link in the show notes so people can click and access that. How often do you post for your blog? Well, I would like to say it's weekly, but... Okay. <laughs> As life? Sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's twice a week, sometimes it's weekly. Now I don't post, I don't know, maybe in the last three weeks because with this thing of the war and the other projects that I'm involved mm. um, related to the, the kids in the Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, things yeah. are, I, I already started to, to write two posts, one about actually about Tripoli and other about the São Miguel Island in, the, in Açores. Okay. Uh, like a, a guide to visit the island. Uh, I postponed the, the the posts because I have other things to do. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. And do you, obviously, when you go away to a new country, I guess you blog and post about that country as well, right? That's a new, a new page well, on your I website. Post, I post mo mostly on Instagram when I'm traveling, when I'm on the road. 
Yeah. Um, because uh, my my trips are always short, like uh, the most uh, three weeks maybe. Mm. Uh, so I don't have much time to stop, and I'm going to take one day or two just to write or to edit videos. Uh, I can't do that. So I post mainly on Instagram. Uh, I post my stories, my highlights, my reels. And then when I get home, I because I, I do like to invest in storytelling. Yeah. And to, to tell a story properly, you have to have time. You have to settle your ideas and you have to have time. So it's like uh, I like to digest my trips and then to, to do things with... Um, with a line, you know, of mm. of um, of thinking. Okay. Talk about social media. You're available on Instagram. Is that the same handle? Is it Blonde Around the World? Yeah, it's Blonde Around the World everywhere. Because yeah. uh, I had to to have a name that, well, I'm blonde and I'm always around the world. <laughs> yeah, there you and go. My <laughs> friends, but actually, some of my friends, the nickname for me, it's Blonde. So... Well, blonde around the world, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, and people remember, no one knows Angela. Angela, who is Angela? So it's uh, it's better for blonde around the world. So it's uh, blonde around the world uh, on YouTube, on uh, my blog, and also on Instagram. And, and Twitter as well. Yeah, on Twitter as well. And I yeah. also have a TikTok, but I don't go there. <laughs> so. I do as well. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, it's a, it's exactly. a strange one. <laughs> I always think that on TikTok you have to dance and do weird things. So yeah. I don't relate. <laughs> I'm not dancing. No I, way. I, don't. <laughs> I see I see kids and I think, oh, I'm not 14 anymore. So I know, it's scary, right? Should I dance? <laughs> it's better or not. <laughs> okay. And there's another topic I quickly want to talk about before we move on is this is awesome. So you're helping Ukrainian kids, obviously, with the crisis at the minute. By doing some online teaching which is awesome so please tell us a bit about what's involved there i found the, the initiative randomly on instagram because i i was already um on the list to to do classes of portuguese to the refugees that were arriving in the country yeah but the thing was no one was doing anything and i was the days were going on and on and by and uh, a friend of mine just randomly shared uh, the profile of Dasha and Kyle, and um, they were telling that they were going to start a program of uh, remote classes for kids. They are still in Ukraine. So, well, I just, <laughs> I had to do it. Yeah. So I sent them, uh, I texted them and I told them, well, I really want to make a part of this. Uh, and they have everything super well uh, organized. And, well, I do what I can, like four days a week. Wow. Uh, I'm with wow. them for an hour. Yeah. I was with them today in the early morning. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we do. We play games mostly, like, uh, for they to learn more English, like vocabulary. And we do games of math. And we dance, we put, uh, I, I usually play uh, on some music for teenagers and for kids because I have kids <laughs> from four years old to 12 years old okay. in the same class. Right. 
Okay. So it's not very easy to to make a class or to to get their attention all the time mm. to the same subjects. Mm. So I have to do something like now we are going to make some math exercises and then we are going to dance and then we are going to like uh, play high spy and well we do I do so cool (laughs) so great and also are these kids that are based in one place in Ukraine or they no they are based in in uh, different cities Uh, I don't ask them where they are okay because I'm afraid to tag them you know it's yeah um, we, we never know what's going to happen well i even when i share uh the classes like the print screens of the classes on my social media i always um cover their faces yeah i see that yeah Keep. because to preserve their identity and yeah. today i had uh i i received a message from a mother and i was really really happy because she's always there Parents are mothers in this case because parents are, are fathers are fighting, yeah. but mothers are almost every day there with the kids or the the older brothers, for example. And today the mother of one of the girls texts me on Instagram. I don't even know how she finds me. And she texts me and she was like, oh, thank you so much for the classes. Uh, my daughter loves your classes. And it's very important for us, for them to keep uh, their education and to keep their minds occupied. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. And it's really, I think it's really beautiful, this connection that you can have when you're helping people um there are in extremely difficult conditions yeah. because they're literally trying to survive mm-hmm. and they still they can they are concerned with their children's education it's amazing is, yeah yeah i think it's really really awesome i think it's awesome i just want to say like that, that's such a brilliant thing to do so thank you for helping out and offering some real help uh, to some children in ukraine that's such a cool thing that if um if people listening are interested can they message you i guess on instagram to find out how to do that yes of course i will send them to the profile of dash and kyle because they are the 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 heads of this project uh, actually kyle is american and dasha is ukrainian and they are working with another friend of theirs that is anastasia that uh, she's also ukrainian mm and they live all live in the states uh but yeah if anyone wants to help and if anyone wants to join the program just text me and i'll send you to dash and kyle <laughs> that's awesome okay that's brilliant thank you so much for sharing that and uh i again we'll put some notes in the in the show notes so people can read about what what you're doing so that's great thank you so much we're going to finish very quickly there's two features here so the normal travel questions which Everyone on the podcast gets asked. They're quick fire. They're normally your favorite things. But there's also an extra feature which I'm going to put out there for my patron subscribers if I get any. And it's going to be your travel must-haves. So we're going to start with the travel questions. Hey, yeah. Just a quick one before we carry on with the travel questions. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with Public where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as T-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Podchaser or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for travelling, podcast and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. Name three countries that is on your hit list to travel to. Oh, it's easy. Antarctica. Yeah. Uh, it's not actually a country, but it's a continent. It's yeah. my top yeah. one uh, on the, the list. It's a dream of mine since I was a child. Yeah. And I really want to go to the Salar Uni. It's not a country, but it's That's a in place. That's Bolivia. Bolivia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been yeah, there. I like extreme. Uh, ex- I like extreme weather places. <laughs> yeah, you do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I also want to go to New Zealand very, very much. They are three unbelievable places. I've been to two, and New Zealand that you, you've got to go. Yeah, you'll love it yeah. there. Do you drink coffee? Uh, yeah, not as much as I used to. <laughs> okay, so my first question would be: if you could pick one city to drink coffee and watch the world go by, what city would that be? Lisbon. Of course. Great coffee there as well. We, we had some great <laughs> because, coffee in Lisbon. Yeah, because for as much as I travel the world and people tell, oh, we are great producers of coffee. No coffee is like in Lisbon. In <laughs> <laughs> Lisbon, when I say Lisbon, it's Portugal, of course, of course. because we have the, the same supplies of coffee everywhere. But um, yeah, Lisbon, for sure. I love that city. I really okay. love it. It's a great city. And my, my second question with coffee is, what's your favorite type of coffee? But I guess that would be Portuguese coffee. Espresso. But espresso Yeah, well. espresso. Yeah. Just simple espresso. I'm not a cappuccino, fancy, okay. fancy things and stuff and uh, mixed up cream. And well, <laughs> I, drink, I drink it from time to time, of course. But coffee, just espresso. Okay, next question. Name a favorite beach that you've been to. Oh, that one is really difficult. Maybe in in the northeast, uh, the northwest. I'm sorry, of Brazil. There's a place um, near uh, the the city. It's a small city of Natal, which is Praia do Madeiro. I loved it. It's you can swim it with dolphins, so it's really really cool. <laughs> okay. Like the idyllic place, you know, the, yeah, the white like sand, yeah. the warm water, the jungle, the dolphins. It's really good. Brilliant. Okay. And this might be a tough one. Do you have a favorite city that you like going to or would go to again? I don't, usually I don't repeat places. Mm. Uh, but I want, I really want to visit um, San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. It's also in my bucket list. And um, I don't know, on the other side of the world, maybe I, I want to go to Iran. So everywhere there. <laughs> yeah, it's on my list as well. Huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, Iran, very, very quickly, because we are from the UK and have British passports. In Iran, British people, Americans and Canadians have to do a tour. So we have to be part of an organized tour. But any other country can just arrive and do what they want. So that's the, that's the difference if you're looking to travel to Iran is that if you're Portuguese, like yourself, you can just turn up, get a get a visa on arrival and, and go yeah. off on your way. But for British Americans and Canadians, you have to have an organized tour. Just a yeah. top tip there. 
it's it's very good to have well portuguese it's a very small country and it has a lot of issues and and things but um it's very good to be one of the fourth most trustable passports yeah. in the world <laughs> yeah yeah it definitely helps <laughs> it's it's life it's so easy <laughs> yeah makes it much easier okay do you have a favorite walk or trek well, I really like in Madeira Island, you have uh, a part of the island which is Ponta de São Lourenço. Uh, it's the, the eastern part of the island. It's amazing. It's uh, an amazing trail, but you will find a lot of trails in Madeira Island that you can do inside of the island uh, with waterfalls. Uh, they call it Luvadas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really like the, the São Lourenço because it's really raw you know it's like um, walking in the moon because you don't have vegetation in summer and it's really really unique and the landscape it's so sharp you know all the the ravines and it's really really beautiful it's really amazing and you can see it also by boat you can travel from Funchal and go by boat to make a tour to that part of the island. Brilliant. Okay. That's awesome. That's a great tip. Okay. Out of all the countries that you traveled to, which one would you tell listeners to go to? That's like asking your mother which one of your yes. sons yes. is your favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, oh, I will tell you to come to Portugal. That's fine. Yeah, so yeah. because if I tell I'll go there, go there, well, it's it's not you're in yeah, trouble. I, <laughs> I get in trouble. Yeah, but yeah, I think uh, I would tell you to come to Portugal and don't stay just for Algarve. Of course, Algarve area course, is amazing right. yeah. and beautiful, and have uh, gorgeous uh, beaches and places to go. But go to the mainland, to the to the side of near the border with Spain, and visit our islands because we have uh, beautiful. It's a beautiful country. So yeah, it is yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I would say Portugal. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'll take that. Next one. Uh, do you have a favorite landmark that you've seen? It can be nature or or human made. Um, is there like a big landmark that you love? Yeah, I love the Chrysler Building. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's uh, I'm totally fascinated by that building. Um, and I also, well, I love Taj Mahal by the, the, the meaning, the story behind it. And, but yeah, in terms of nature, uh, I think I'm waiting for my next trip to have <laughs> for my next next not the yeah. next not the next in may but the next in october that i'm going to make so i'm waiting for that because i'm i think i'm going to be amazed with nature there oh wow i, I can't wait to see where you're gonna go can you maybe tell us so portuguese is not allowed your favorite cuisine or food that you've experienced on your travels hmm. country's food do you like i love lebanese food actually uh, because, well, maybe because um, it's not similar to our Mediterranean cuisine, but it has uh, some similarities actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love I love Indian foods too, uh, and Mexican foods too. Because I, I've been in Mexico now, and um, 
Well, but we have so much uh, Mexican food in Portugal, actually, mm -hmm. that I'm used to Mexican food. So it's difficult to tell because uh, all the foods are good, actually. Yeah. And I'm not a big foodie, but I really like to try all the cuisines uh, of the places where I go. I eat the weirdest things possible. <laughs> I, I had, I had uh, grasshoppers now in, in uh, Mexico. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I tried it once in Mexico. You have to try everything, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's grasshoppers. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's an interesting food. Okay. If you could pick another country to live in, where would you live? That's easy because I'm always saying that when I retired, I'm going to live in Iceland. Okay. Awesome. And I, I'm a... a a person that loves uh, warm weather and yeah. that loves the beach and everything, but I would love to to live in Iceland. Yeah, okay. but I don't know all of the world. Once I have visited yeah, all of change. the places in the world, so I might change my 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 mind. So the second last question is: What country do you think has been the best value for your money? Like, where has your euro like gone the furthest? So, like, the cheapest place that you travel to? Oh, Lebanon. Oh, so cheap, is it? If you consider, yeah. yeah, it is. Well, I'm not even considering India because India, it's cheap for everyone. Um, but yeah, if, if we put on the plate, uh, India, of course, it's much, much cheaper. But, um, well, in terms of accommodation, I don't know if India, if you stay in a good place, uh, it's cheaper. Uh, but yeah, from... Yeah, I think Lebanon was not even in, I, I went to some places in Africa, you know, and the the money in Lebanon, it's so, so unvalued that um, it's, yeah, it's that. really, really cheap to do everything, really cheap to do everything. Okay, that's good to know. Okay, and the last question for this uh, feature is, for a few sentences, if you were to tell people why they should go traveling or go travel the world, why should they go? Oh, nothing opens more your mind and your heart than traveling. Um, I used to say that the biggest lesson that traveling uh, gives me is empathy. Because you create a huge connection with other, other people and other cultures. You... you get much humbler you know um so you you can when you look to other people you get off your pedestal uh of yeah. a western person mm -hmm. we are always very <laughs> entitled of everything entitled, yeah yeah and so you realize when you travel that we all have the same hopes and dreams we all want to be happy. We all, all want to be healthy. We all want our kids to be uh, good humans, mainly good humans. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think traveling is, is one of the best things and one of the best investments in terms of money that someone can do. Because you are investing in yourself. You are studying history when you're traveling. You are studying human relations when you're mm. traveling. 
at economics because you have to save for your money you have to yeah, have yeah. a budget you mm. so traveling gives you a lot of um enlightenment about life i think you're absolutely right yeah that's a great segment okay that's awesome i'm gonna clip that i think thank you so much <laughs> okay. okay so we're doing something brand new for the podcast you are the first person to do this so i don't know what, how you feel about this but we're going to do some extra feature here which is like again it's like a question based so these are your travel must-haves right so we all okay. we all travel and we all take you know our phones and and certain things so i want to know what you must have with you when you travel on your on your phone or iPad or laptop, I guess you will have Spotify or something to listen to music. So, what would be your three yes. bands that you would or artists that you would have? I'm a very miscellaneous person. I don't have like favorite bands. I like well, as someone born in the seventies, um, I really like the eighties music and the nineties music, mm. like Skankanansi, Pearl Jam. Oh wow! And the oldies, wow. you know, like the oldies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I hear a lot of the kids now think they are old, but <laughs> to me, they are just, it was like 10 years ago. <laughs> so yeah, these are my, my main choices. I don't like very much commercial music that mm. we hear 24 seven on the radio, for example. And I really like classical music. So I always have classical music too. Okay. That's awesome. And what about one film that you would have downloaded to watch? It can be a recent, it could be a, a classic film. What would you have? Well, it's to me, it's it's my favorite movie, and it's the first big production of Steven Spielberg. I don't know if you heard about it. It's The Empire of the Sun in English. Oh, okay, I don't know too much about that. It's uh, it's about the Second World War, and uh, oh, in I Taiwan. And it's oh, really, okay. really interesting uh, about a boy that gets lost from his parents and he goes to to a camp Yeah, and he has to learn to survive. Uh, he's a really spoiled kid. Uh, their parents are British and he already is Jamie, the name of him. His name is Jamie, um, the nickname. And mm -hmm. uh, their parents uh, live in Taiwan and Taiwan is attacked. And he gets lost from his parents. He in he he needs to learn to to live by himself in a okay. a refugee camp. I have not seen that film, so I will add that to my list. That's awesome. Okay, that's good. Yeah. And the one TV series you would have maybe downloaded just to watch in case you're on a train or a plane. Well, I don't watch TV. I know. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> And now when I go traveling on a plane, like uh, really big flights, yeah. uh, all planes have movies. So I True. stick to the or, or to the series because they also have series. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But I remember the last series that I downloaded was Game of Thrones. So um, there you go. That's your answer. You, you can see uh, how long it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And what about one book that you would have to read? This, this can be a new book that you're reading or a classic book, whatever you want. Yeah, I, actually, I'm rereading a book. Yeah. It's called The Gone Girl. It's a thriller about a girl and the husband, and she supposedly disappears because she died, but she doesn't 
died. She fakes her own death. And so it's really, really cool. I really like thrillers. So Is that I'm a film really as well? Is that a film? Yeah, it's a Gone film girl. as yeah. well. It's a film as well. Yeah, I thought I recognised it. Okay. And next question would be, what one podcast would you have downloaded on your on your app? Well, now I, I'm going to, to look awkward because I'm going to say yours. Because I'm trying to listen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because I'm trying to listen all the episodes from the beginning. Okay. Yeah. I, early, early on. Yeah. Yeah. I started with the the episode from Pakistan two yes. weeks ago. Yes. Was. Was, that, was that Emma, right? Yeah. It's yeah. right. And so I was, uh, I thought it was so interesting and the, 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 the way that people explain uh, their experience is so realistic mm. that now I'm listening all. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> that's You're very welcome. kind of you. But one piece of clothing that you'd have. Oh, to my take. scarf. Your yeah, scarf. My yeah. scarf. Yeah. Do you pack any like snacks, like Portuguese snacks when you travel? Actually, no. Uh, I, I usually only take some cookies or some I don't take I, because I'm allergic to all uh, dry fruits like nuts and everything. Oh, okay. I can't pack my, my little nuts to eat on the plane. No. Uh, but yeah, I take a lot of packs of cookies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And what about a one must have item? One thing you've got to take with you? Oh, my phone, of course. My yeah. phone and my camera. But um, if I don't have my camera with all my lens to, to take pictures, I can always use my phone. Uh, but yeah, my phone. Okay. And second place, my camera. Yeah. That's my next <laughs> question. So I've I got a few more left. I love photography, even though I don't do it that much. And I'm going to start to get into it. So my question would be, what is your camera? Oh, I have a Canon, the 7D, I think. Because I had other one that I had for a long time and now I got a new one. I don't have a fancy one like mm. the extremely expensive cameras. I rather have like three cameras. They are versatile. Like I have one point and shoot, I have a drone, I have a camera with switchable lenses. Mm -hmm. So I rather invest in different kinds of, of, um, of camera gear. Okay, that is my full questions. And I just want to say, Anja, thanks for coming on today and speaking about some great trips, your blogging and also your awesome work with the Ukrainian children. So thanks for coming on. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation. And I hope to see some of your travel travels to Lebanon, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I hope you feel inspired to go there because it's an amazing place to go. You put that on my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I'm now thinking about it. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Wigging It Travel Podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last 8 to 10 years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Wigging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. 
Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.